Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trena. I am your host, and we are leading up to the draft. It is almost here. My gosh, can you feel the excitement, folks? I know I am excited. It's kind of like Christmas morning where you just wake up, you go under the tree and see what Santa leaves for you. And it's going to be the same thing. We're going to find out what Dave Gettleman is going to leave for Giant fans, Giants media, uh, just Giants country in general. And it's really exciting. So as we have been doing all week long, we have been uh, spending the time previewing the last few bit schools and prospects, those that we haven't covered thus far on the program. So today I'm really fortunate. I actually have two guests on the line with me and they cover expertly, I might add, the Big 12 Conference. And I'd like to welcome in Jasmine Sadri and Brian Moot. Hello. Thank you very much. I think you're, you might be overselling us on the expert part, but we are very, we are familiar with the big 12 and the players, but, <laughs> but I don't know if we want to be billed as quite a big 12 experts at this point right now with the, with the draft. Well, compared to what I know about the prospects, trust me, you guys are experts. So I'm looking forward we'll to getting it. I'm looking yeah, that's forward very to true. getting it. It's all relative. <laughs> yes. And we'll take that. We'll take it however we can get. All right. Well, I am looking forward to uh, hearing what you folks have to say about the Big 12 Conference players. And we're going to kick it off uh, by talking about some of the Big 12. Uh, th- th- there's some big names in the Big 12 coming out of the Big 12 in the, in the, in the draft. Um, who are some of the people that you feel really are worthy of the of the attention they're getting versus some of the people who maybe are, are um, maybe overblown or, or, or just over-exaggerated or whatnot? Um, I think right now, in terms of the Big 12, I think that uh, the wide receivers, I think, are not getting enough attention. I think they're underrated. I think you look at uh, Jalen Rager and uh, uh, CeeDee Lamb. You're looking at two guys that are uh, they have really game-changing skills um, and could really make an impact in the NFL sooner than some of the other players that are getting more attention. I think it's really hard to judge wide receivers when you look at numbers and things because the, the caliber of the quarterback and the caliber of the balls they're going to be catching is uh, considerably less in most universities and most colleges, and especially in the Big 12 this year. It's not like we got a ton of humongous quarterback prospects that are thrown to these guys. Now, granted, you do have better defenders playing in the Big 12, but the Big 12 is really strong defensive backs and safety. So you've got wide receivers that have been playing against NFL caliber uh, defensive players for, you know, two, three seasons and are putting up good numbers. I kind of liken it to when DK Metcalf came out of Ole Miss and everyone was like, wow, he's a physical guy, but he's not really catching the balls. He's not really putting up the numbers. Well, yeah, that's because the balls weren't there. And you got guys in the NFL throwing passes that are considerably more accurate. So really it comes down to the physical play do they have the physical tools and the wide receivers in the big 12 that are the two that I mentioned definitely do. And they play against top notch defensive talent. 
Yeah, and if you're looking at, obviously, the big name, the sexy name is Jalen Hurts, quarterback out of OU, obviously. Everybody's frothing at the mouth. And, you know, obviously, it's no secret that the Giants are snooping around for a quarterback. <laughs> so, you know, you've got the guys like the Jalen Hurts, and then, you know, you've got the guys that these wide receivers that Brian was just talking about. You know, the Big 12 is really heavy um, in wide receiver talent we're seeing this year. And in terms of defense, I mean, you guys mentioned the offensive side of the ball. How is the Big 12 looking in terms of, of generating defensive talent? Because uh, Lord knows the Giants can use defensive talent from the front all the way to the back. You know what? As a Cowboys fan, I've observed that, and I can say that's accurate, Patricia. Um, one thing to look for is Jeff Gladney, for sure. TCU, he's a cornerback. He is absolutely a stud, and I know that that's overused and it's such a cliche to say, but this guy, he's 5'10", he's 191 pounds. His, this wingspan he's got is over 6'3". Um, he's extremely competitive. He's strong-minded. He is sharp on instincts. He would be a great addition on defense for any team. I mean, I think you look at the defense, a lot of the players that are coming out of the Big 12 this year, they're kind of – you look at the, 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 the versatility, especially of the linebackers – uh, Kenneth Murray's another one from Oklahoma where they're, they can kind of move around. They can be, you know, they can work in nickel packages. They can work in various defensive strategies. They're not just the typical, Hey, he's a linebacker. who's going to be in every line, you know, every linebacker formation. You've got guys that can get down on the line and actually rush the passer too. So I think the athletes in the big 12 are underrated when it comes to defense. And I think that's specifically because there's just, there's an emphasis on speed and on, you know, on defense in general in the conference. For those who aren't as, as up on college football, and I know that that sounds weird, but believe it or not, there are some of us, n- namely one person you're talking to, who because we cover <laughs> the NFL, <laughs> we cover the NFL and, and Saturdays, usually a travel day or we're getting stuff ready. We don't really, I don't get it. I know I don't get a chance to really watch college football as much as I would like. Can you just to step back a little bit, can you guys kind of define for us the style that is very predominant in the Big 12? Is it a smash mouth? Is it is it a power? Is 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 it more of a passing type of conference or how would you describe it? You know what's interesting? Um it's <laughs> to be honest with you, it's almost equally balanced. You've got a uh, monster passing game. Again, I'll, I'll go to Jalen Hurts, this kid out of OU. He's an incredible quarterback. And then you've got, like we were talking about earlier, Brian bringing up the defense. I mean, there's so much. It's almost like this perfect combination. And we might just be, I don't know, blindly homer biased here. But it's, a, it's such a well-balanced. The Big 12 is unique in the sense that it's just so well-balanced with all of that. It's almost like it's, it's, it's awkwardly balanced to the point that it becomes well-balanced on paper. Because you've got teams that are very passing. You know, you've got some of the programs have kind of redefined passing offenses in terms of the attack. And then some years you got a team that has a running quarterback. Jalen Hurts, again, is a, is a quarterback that can run. But he also is a far accurate, more accurate passer than he was when he played at Alabama. So Absolutely. it's funny. I think it's one of those things where you look at you look at some of these players and you get to see the versatility because in the NFL you have different, you have teams with different strategies playing against the Kansas city chiefs is different than playing, you know, against the Seattle Seahawks in terms of the aggressiveness they're going to have the style. Are they going to be a run first offense, pass first offense? So I think when it comes to the defensive side of the ball, especially, I think you get to see the versatility of a lot of the athletes in, in those defensive schemes where one week Oklahoma is playing, you know, Iowa State and it's run heavy. And then the next week they're playing Texas Tech 
and it's and it's pass heavy, and you got it. You get to see these linebackers adjust to a team that's going to have a running back, you know, carrying sixty percent of the plays versus someone who's going to come right out of the gates throwing the ball. So I think that's kind of the key when you look at how they'll transition, especially on the defensive side of the ball to the NFL, because every week you've got a whole different strategy, a whole different coach, a whole different mindset. And as we've seen, it's kind of in the NFL, especially this real battle between the more progressive air pass heavy offenses and some that are still relying more on defense and kind of running the ball. You're listening to Locked On Giants with Patricia Trena and special guests Jasmine Sadri and Brian Moot of the Locked On Big 12 podcast. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and then I'm going to ask both Jasmine and Brian to help scout the Giants' needs. So stay with us. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you, and I am delighted to be joined by Jasmine Sadri and Brian Moot. They are the hosts of the Locked On Big 12 uh, podcast. Please make sure you are checking out all of our college podcasts. We have about, um, I want to say, close to three dozen, if not over, and they all are doing a great job considering they don't have any uh, college sports, unfortunately, to talk about given the coronavirus. So they need your support, and I'm glad to have them on this podcast to talk Big 12. So, okay, guys, now I am going to put you on the spot. So I apologize Uh-oh. in advance, but uh, listen, <laughs> If anybody, if anybody can handle this, I know you two can. So what I'm okay. going to do is I'm going to go down the various Giants needs, and I want you to tell me who from the Big 12 you think would be the best fit. Okay, so we're going to start off with offensive line. I will say that I know specifically on your offensive line, I've read that the Giants, one of the Giants needs is center, and Texas has a center that has been all Big 12, Zach Shackelford. Uh, and as a senior, you know, I think the center is one of those line positions like, look, let's be honest, you need a flat out monster, like just a, uh, you know, a, a Shrek sized human being on the blind side tackle, you know, the left tackle. But the center ends up being one of those positions where you want someone with a little more maturity, a little more leadership. And you've got a, a center coming out of uh, Texas and Zach Shackelford, who's been all big 12 the last two seasons. Who knows how to help call a game, how to help call out blitzes, how to help do those things. They have, you, as a center, you have more to focus on. So in terms of offensive line, that's one need, I think, that can be great, uh, a great fit for the Giants. The Big 12, I think, kind of had an underwhelming season in terms of prospects and, you know, in the big kind of, uh, you know, categories of where they get the limelight in terms of the tackles. I know those are the big money positions. Center is definitely a need for the Giants. What about edge rusher? I'm I'm going to go back with some, I mean, the linebackers that we do have, the linebackers that have been pretty overwhelming in terms of their size and speed, there a lot of them are kind of uh, kind of going to be those tweener players. Kenneth Murray is 6'2", 241 with speed, um, you know, speed He's got reach. raw talent. Yeah, he's got raw yeah, talent. Yeah, he just needs to get so that size. You, yes. Yeah, he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be end up being an outside linebacker and an edge rusher as it is once you put on more weight and more strength and size because that's such a valuable, versatile position to be able to do that. So I think, I mean, Kenneth Murray fills that void a lot. And just the way that, you know, you want you need a linebacker and edge rusher who can move around depending on who you're playing against. Absolutely. And he's got a lot of speed. He's got sideline to sideline burst um, that obviously works to his favor, but he's, sleek so that's kind of been his uh, weakness if you will uh, draft prospects have um, 
I mean, not draft prospects. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Scouts. Scouts, well, yeah. have been, <laughs> scouts have been kind of looking at that as a negative. So like Brian said, if he puts on a little more weight, then this guy is just unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, 241 at, at 6'2 is somebody who, I mean, that could be looked at if if you were, you know, a little bit smaller as a, like a strong safety build. Mm-hmm. So it, he is going to have to make a decision in terms of what, what part of the field he's going to be playing on. I mean, that's a huge thing. But if you got somebody, if your worst knock on someone right now is, hey, do we need to decide if he's going to be an edge rusher, an outside linebacker, or we're going to start working to drop him, dropping him into the secondary as a strong safety? It's not a bad problem to have when it comes to drafting a defensive player because really you're, you're always looking for value at every one of these positions so you can free up money. I mean, that's how every – I mean, the most of the great te- most of the teams that have made great runs in the last decade have been teams where you look at their salary and they're getting incredible uh, production out of players that aren't they aren't paying very much money. If you got a guy you can move all over the field, that's fantastic. Sure, and that he's the guy to do it. All right, let me back up a little bit here, and, and you know, you mentioned value, and you know, we often hear general managers say, "I'm going for the best available, the best value." Who amongst uh, the players, you know, and, and you can pick different positions, you know, multiple players if you if you want. But who do you think represents the best value at different positions? In terms of value right now, if I had to get a sneak, you know, sneaky pick, that would fill a void. I know that the Giants have wide receivers. They have some veteran wide receivers. But wide receiver and those weapons are never never an area that you can't get more value in. It just makes everyone exactly. else more valuable if you can get a rookie that can produce. And Denzel Mims from Baylor. I think that he's got an incredible upside in terms of being sneaky value. 6'3", 200 pounds, really fast. Can like can take the top off a of defense. All those things that you really want. Also is a great route runner and has all the tools to be somebody who, I mean, if you look at some of the teams in the last few years who have, you know, look at you know, even teams like the Atlanta Falcons when they drafted Calvin Ridley from Alabama, those wide receivers, you get kind of late in the first, late in the second round or even deeper in the draft, you can find guys that can become immediate contributors. And maybe it's only two, three balls a game, but really it frees up everyone else on the field. And is and a deep threat is always somebody you need. Yeah, you can never have enough of those. <laughs> you always Fast want those. athletes. Fast athletes. No, CeeDee Lamb is another one if we're looking at wide receiver weapons. I mean, he's the, he's the exact same sort of he's explosive. Um, this guy has nine and a quarter inch hands. So he's going to be pretty reliable on catching that ball. So you definitely – that's another one that um, you definitely uh, are looking at as one of those sexy names at wide receiver. And Lord knows the Giants, that is a sneaky need for them. They do. <laughs> they definitely need receivers. They have Darius Slayton who can – you know, take the top off of a, off of a defense. But, you know, you look at the Giants depth at the position, they have Golden Tate, who is on the wrong side of 30, still a productive receiver, but I don't know if you can necessarily put him in, in the speed burner category. Um, Sterling Shepard is, is the other receiver they have. And, and the concern with him is after having two concussions within a month of each other uh, last year, you know, what happens if he takes another hit to the head? So there is right. concern there. And, certainly a need i think for for receiver and it's such a deep receiver class i mean i think you you can probably get uh, i want to say first round second round talent probably on on day three i would think wouldn't you agree i think so for sure now also really it comes down to depending on if you're looking for wide receivers right if if the giants are going to say hey we're going to go with daniel jones 
we're not going to look at you. We're not going to put out the rumors of quarterbacks. You never know what drafts teams will put out rumors just to kind of make a run on quarterbacks that that could happen in a sense where a run on quarterbacks happens. You end up getting first round talent at wide receiver, you know, in the, in the legitimate late second, third round. And if, you have a, a a receiving core already where, I mean, Golden Tate's not the athlete he's always been, but he's always going to command respect from a defense because he's a savvy veteran who can catch the ball and knows how to get open. So if you add another weapon, it just is another concern for safeties um, in terms of not being able to double somebody who may not have the speed that Golden Tate once did have. Well, and look, David Gettleman's made no uh, secret about it. He's like, look, I'm, you know, I'm willing to trade down. So this whole situation of looking at a quarterback could just be that fake little facade smoke screen that he's using to throw everybody off. It's not pump fakes to get people to freak out and try to draft Tua at number five. You know what I mean? It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's a chess match. Right. Uh. Yeah, it definitely is. But you know what? A lot of people think Dave Gettleman isn't isn't as swift as uh, some of the younger and, and newer GMs. But you know what? Dave is pretty crafty when he wants to be, and and uh, he's never traded down in the first round. I, I I don't get the impression that he likes to do it because you know he's there's a concern that you're going to trade yourself out of getting the player you want. But I, I think if there's going to be a year they're trading down, this has got to be it if they can swing it and get the right type of deal because, you know, look, they've got to get back in the top of the third round after trading away that pick for Leonard Williams. So we'll see if he, he if he's able to pull it off. We'll find out probably before the draft starts on Thursday if he's able to pull that off. So, all right, you're listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trainer and special guests Jasmine Sandry and Brian Moon. They are the hosts of Locked on Big 12. When we come back, we're going to ask them for their diamonds in the rough. So stay with us. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you, and I'm joined by Jasmine Sadri and Brian Moot of Locked On Big 12. And we're having a great time. I know I am. I don't know if you guys are, but uh, listen, this is a, this has been fantastic, and I do thank you. And uh, okay, so now I'm going to put you guys on the spot. Tell me about some okay. of these diamonds in the rough that are coming out of the Big 12 conference, guys that maybe are going to be there in, in day three that, that aren't getting a whole lot lot of attention but who can really maybe be you know key pieces to a football team well for one colin johnson wide receiver he is this kid is a three-year starter he caught 38 passes for 559 yards um he had three touchdowns this is all as a senior in 2019 he's tall which is obviously what you want your receiver um he is really good about using his hands and when it comes to catching the ball and separating from defenders, this guy gets vertical and he will, I mean, he will make his body, he will, he will basically contort his body however he can to catch that ball. So Colin Johnson um, is one to really look for um, at a Texan. Now I'm going to go to the defensive side of the ball for a diamond in the rough here. And I know, I know that the Giants are looking at pass rushers and this guy's not a pass rusher. But he is a defensive – I guess I would say he's almost the old-school nose tackle. And if you – like, he's just a load in the middle, and that's Bravion Roy from Baylor. 6'1", 330, incredibly strong. His combine numbers are really good in terms of the strength. He's not fast, but at 6'3", 330, how fast do you really need to be? You just need to be immovable. And I feel like he's one of those guys – he's kind of an old-school – 
I don't want to put him in the Aaron Donald category because he's not as strong and as fast and as athletic. But in terms of if you look at game tape on Brave on Roy, he just stands in the middle and he is a problem if you have a team that wants to run between the tackles because you're going to have to move him out of the way because he's not just going to go, you know, willingly. And I think that, you know, it's kind of a sneaky pick because he's going to go late, probably fourth, fifth, sixth round. And he's just got size that you can't coach. I mean, you can coach a lot of things, but you can't coach somebody to be 330 pounds and muscle. In terms of um, the schools within the conference, uh, every conference just seems to have a factory, if you will, uh, that produces some of the top NFL talent. What schools do you think in this particular draft are maybe not getting as much attention, not as much love, but who have some really good talent in the pipeline, uh, maybe not just in this draft, but in future drafts? Um, I would say, obviously, TCU, for me, in my opinion, would be one of those um, because we see the machine that OU is. They turn out <laughs> they turn out talent on both sides of the ball, it seems like, almost every year. Texas used to do that, um, but they've kind of fallen off of that here uh, in the most recent years. But I would say TCU is a little bit of that sleeper, in my opinion. I think TCU is a great one. I just think it's just not a school that people pick when they become, when they go into college, it's not, you know, they don't get the, the best talent. Uh, a lot of, a lot of big 12, a big 12 schools don't other than, you know, Oklahoma and some of the, you know, Texas, of course, if you're, if you're probably a Texas kid, but you've got schools like uh, Baylor, they're a little bit up and down. So, you know, you got guys that maybe had some issues coming out of high school, didn't qualify for certain things, weren't the biggest recruits, but you've got people that if they're good, when they, when they're, you know, in their junior season at TCU or Baylor, they're really good. It wasn't like they came in the best they've, they've outworked people. Um, and those programs themselves are a little bit up and down in terms of the leadership. I mean, I don't really got to get into the Baylor's leadership record, but you know, you've got guys that, that are there that outwork other people and are going to probably continue to do that at the next level. So I think that those are the schools to me where if you, if they're having an up season or there is a player that is shining, they would have been doing that on any other team, maybe more so given that you would have seen more of them. You know, and Texas Tech is another one for me as well. I mean, you've got your Michael Crabtree's that came out of there, your obvious Pat Mahomes is your um, guys like that. So it's kind of it's interesting. The Big Twelve is so unique in the sense that there is so much talent. It's just kind of this smattering um, of how it's spread out. If that makes sense. Yeah, you've got the team thing there, right? Like you've got non perennial powerhouses. It's not, you know, it's kind of hard to evaluate somebody on the Alabama defense or even on the Oklahoma offense or defense because you've got an entire team from top to bottom of players that would be the best player on most programs in the country and have legitimate shots at being NFL talent. But you have other schools where, you know, for Baylor to be good, they're going to have to have a couple guys really stand out and they're going to have to stand out at a level that brings the rest of the team up with them because they're not working with the same caliber of athletes and, you know, people with football IQ or people that had zero problems coming in and had the support from other programs. So I do think that when you get a school and that's why the big 12 is unique because you got these programs that aren't the number one choice for a lot of people. And when they go there and they stand out, they're standing out in an environment where they're, they're the ones who have to pick up most of the slack. In terms of uh, the coverage that the Big 12 players have received, the, dra- the draft picks I'm talking about now, 
every year that I've been covering the draft, and I've and I've covered the draft now for over twenty seasons, uh, and I know I just dated myself, but that's okay. We're all friends here. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> um, so, and what I'm getting at is, every year it just seems like in the in outside of the NFL community. The media tends to glorify certain guys and underplay other guys. Whereas now you get to the NFL community and you find that guys that nobody was even thinking of are, are, you know, they're higher, they're ranked higher than what they probably are. In your opinion, who are some of the guys in the Big 12 who are maybe overrated and underrated? I wanted to say that that I thought that Jalen Hurts was going to be overrated when this season happened. Uh, but I feel like he's kind of someone who, despite all the things, is, is incredibly underrated in terms of just the the character of the player that he is and just the offensive numbers and the, the gains that he made coming from Alabama to Oklahoma. You know, it's interesting. I was going to say that as well, because I, as a just kind of a sidebar here, as a Cowboys fan, you know, there's this whole let's get a quarterback for the Cowboys, which I think is absurd. That's another podcast. But I would take a healthy Jalen Hurts over a rehab Tua any day. It's interesting. And you hear, you know, uh, amongst the NFL draft uh, analysts, they say that Tua is actually sliding down the board, whereas Hertz is rising up the board. So uh, that that's that's interesting. I don't know if the Giants necessarily are, are in the market for a quarterback. I mean, I know there you was some Danny Dimes. Why would you? Yeah, well, <laughs> you know what? There was there was a report earlier in the week that that they were doing extensive work or had done extensive work on Justin Herbert. And my my reaction when I saw that it is well, duh, why wouldn't they? I mean, it's, it's you know, even before get, I went back and looked up a Dave Gettleman quote that said, you know, oh, you know, you have to be do your due diligence, even if you don't necessarily need a position. Because I, I would think you'd probably want to know what your, your other teams are doing so you can kind sure. of anticipate, for example, the Cowboys are going to want this position or the Eagles are going to want that position. So just my two cents on the matter for what it's worth. The draft is all about creating leverage and creating a market for things and creating, you know, a little bit of misdirection. And, you know, if, if you know that there are teams, I mean, look, there's always teams that are in the market for a quarterback, especially one that, you know, is still on uh, a deal, like a rookie unproven deal. That's where you find most of your value. As soon as you start paying quarterbacks, you really have a lot of problems in other parts of the of the team in terms of defense and offense. So, I mean, everyone's always going to be looking to try to get younger at the quarterback and find that, find that Pat Mahomes, find that Russell Wilson deal, find those, those, those quarterbacks that they can build around them using money and then make it to a Super Bowl. So, I mean, you're always going to want to do the research on the players that if they're available, look, if they can get, you know, early, late in the draft – a Jalen Hurts or even Justin Herbert or whoever is still around. It's not that it, it's not a, a, any sort of slight at Daniel Jones in terms of him fitting into their organization other than, Hey, we've just got lever- We've just got bargaining chips. We've got, you know, at a certain point in time in the draft, you're just getting house money. That's what they say. You know, sometimes you just take the best available player because there's someone's going to need those guys. For sure. And can we all agree that basically watching the draft is like watching a bunch of billionaires play chess and we're just watching it. <laughs> I mean, they're all just doing it for leverage. It's that's all that is. And it's kind of fascinating to go behind the scenes and kind of think about the psychology behind what they do. Uh, because, you know, as a fan, you're sitting at home going, what are you absurd? I mean, I, for one, going back a couple of drafts when 
everybody thought the Cowboys were going to draft Johnny Manziel and you know, Jerry and how he is. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, was he using this as a ploy? Was this really going to happen? So it's just interesting to see the psychology behind what, what these um, owners and GMs do. Absolutely. And this draft out of all of them is one we need more than ever in sports because right now I'm actually oh, rooting yes. for NASCAR. I'm rooting for NASCAR to come back. That's how desolate it's gotten. <laughs> it's bad, Patricia. It's really I bad. I know. I know. Well, you know what? You and my husband, he's a NASCAR fan too, and he's 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 kind of likes this this virtual thing that they're doing. And he actually was saying to me the other day, "Oh, why don't they just do this for all the sports?" And I said, eh, "I guess they could, but you know, it it would certainly be interesting if they came up with a way, guys." Final question for you, and then I'll let you go. Every year, there's there's just a surprise that catches everybody off guard, and we say, "Whoa, did not see that happen." What if if I had to put you on the spot for your particular uh, conference? What do you think could be the biggest surprise coming out of the Big Twelve? I, I think it involves Jalen Hurts, and it's either the surprise is either going to be he goes way too early or way too late. I know we're talking about him, but it's also a thing where, you know, people in the NFL get a real GMs and stuff, get a real, they get really excited about those measurables that you can't really coach, you know, height, um, arms, you know, like arm strength, accuracy. Jalen Hurts is never really going to be able to, no matter how well he's done, he's never going to really be able to kind of, to, to, to get rid of that whole situation where he was benched for Tua and was an ultimate team guy. It should be a positive in terms of his ability just to play football. Um, but with Alabama kind of, you know, moving away from him and never letting him really throw the ball the two years that he was there, and then he turned into a passer at Oklahoma. I just think that as great a story as that is, it's going to end up being something where everyone talks about him in terms of, hey, he could be a shocker and a surprise. I think he'll end up being a surprise the other way where he falls way, way, way down the draft boards, and then someone ends up getting a steal, like a Russell Wilson-type steal, um, you know, when he came out of Wisconsin. And then in three years, and that's the great part about the draft, is three years from now, if you go back and revise it, you're so mad at your teams for taking certain players over other ones. But I think he ends up being someone who goes way later than expected. I have to agree, unfortunately. And I don't want to say this because, you know, you look at Jalen Hurts and that story and just everything he created, being in essentially to a shadow, and then here he is, perfect prime example of, if you pluck one player from a system and put him in another, he shines and he becomes a superstar. And that's what we've seen in Jalen Hurts. Now, obviously, he's had, you know, help with weapons, C.D. Lamb and those kind of guys. And, uh, you know, the story of Jalen Hurts is, I think, what everybody's romanticizing and rooting for. But I have to agree with Brian. I think he's going to go. He's, he's going to drop and he's not going to be as high as everybody thought he would. All right. Interesting stuff. Great stuff. I appreciate the input. And uh, before we call the show, tell everybody what you guys uh, got coming up, where they can find you on social media and any other programs that you're involved with. You can find us on Locked on Big 12. Uh, we have shows Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You can also find me on Twitter at Moot Points. In terms of what we got going on the show this week, well, you know, with college football right now, it's kind of just a mixed bag of Big 12 news and what's going on in terms of how this next season is going to shake out and any sort of weird stuff that coaches are saying. We like to break that down because coaches are getting bored and the more bored that the coaches get, the more times they put their foot in their mouth. And that's always fun stuff to talk about. Yeah, and we kind of take a more satirical approach. Uh, we're kind of like your bar talk, sports talk. So 
Um, we like to give our opinions, even if they're not asked. So that's the kind of show that we put together, um, obviously, while we bring up topical stories in the Big 12 and um, other things going on. Um, if you go to at Jasmine Sadry on Twitter, at Jasmine Sadry Instagram, that's where you can find me. Uh, Brian also hosts a morning show in Dallas. I'm a local Dallas broadcaster, and we have a lot of things going on between the two of us. So if you follow us in the avenues uh, that we just mentioned, you can see what we're up to. All right. And if the Giants do pick some players from the Big 12, and I'm sure they will, perhaps uh, down the line we can have you guys back on and you can give us a little bit more detailed uh, scouting reports on, on the specific players once we know who they're they're looking at and what ha- and, and maybe that'll give us a, an idea of, you know, what they're planning, because this is a new coaching staff, obviously, and we're still trying to figure some of this out. But sometimes there are clues based on the type of players that they do select. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to reconnect down the line. Absolutely. We'd love to. All right. Awesome. All right, folks, that was uh, Jasmine Sadri and Brian Moot. They are with Locked On Big 12. Please check out our college programs, including the Locked On Big 12. They do a great job and, you know, they are they're coming up with some creative content to keep their shows going three times a week. Um, and again, uh, keep it here on the Lachlan Giants podcast. We're getting ready for the draft. It's going to start in a matter of hours, depending on when you are listening to this podcast. We will have plenty of updates, audio. We'll have instant reactions. We'll have all kinds of goodies for you. So we do hope you'll tune in. For Jasmine Sadri and Brian Moon, this is Patricia China. Thank you so much for listening.